In this episode of Accidental Apprentice Podcast, I sit down with Glenn Reyes. Aside from being an amazing career coach and mentor, Glenn actually holds a Bachelor of Science with a double major. This truly is a special episode where we dig into some interesting concepts. We back it up with reports, stats, documents, speakers and engagements. There's going to be there's tons of show notes you're going to see below this episode if you haven't already seen it to engage and to follow up on and to dig into the content we we hit here. We get into the RBC report for the skills for tomorrow. We talk about uh, what's actually being done as a preparatory piece for tomorrow versus what we traditionally hold as advancing for skills. We get in the whole concept about doing happy, not just trying to be happy. One of my favorite discussions is we talk about going to school to learn something. So let's talk about what that might actually be. And we talk about post-secondary success, what that looks like. And uh, maybe the traditional model of what that success looks like isn't necessarily what you uh, and I have grown up thinking it to be. I really appreciated Glenn taking the time to engage on the Accidental Apprentice podcast. We're going to connect again for more episodes there's a lot of stuff we started hitting after the microphone turned off and we engaged even deeper on some of the concepts we shared. So we're going to have to get back together. Uh, and I'm sure there's probably going to be more engagements, maybe even outside of the podcast. So something for you all to look forward to. I want to thank everybody for following along up to this point so far. And we're going to really push it into the next level. Summer's been relatively quiet, um, but we've got a lot of guests lined up for September and October. A lot of special guests, people that I, I'm very surprised and, and super excited to be able to get onto this podcast. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for some great content coming forward in the months of September and October. We're going to keep pushing on. The podcast is picking up steam and I want to thank all of you for your support and for listening to the episodes and following along and subscribing and all that stuff, everything you're doing thank you because it's making this podcast a success and there's some neat and unique opportunities coming up that i never saw coming and that's because you are engaging and you are listening so thank you everyone keep up the great work and without any further ado here's glenn reyes on the accidental apprentice Welcome to another episode of Accidental Apprentice, Odd Jobs Explored, with your host, Adam Melton. We usually just kind of fade into something yeah. that was a funny start, or ah, it seems like a good spot, because everything <laughs> else up to that point was just kind of ridiculous. So. Oh, that's cool. Usually start it with anecdotes making fun of me, so I cut those out, yeah, and then yeah, we yeah. get into some better stuff. There you go. So, by yeah. the way, thanks for the coffee. I know I said I'd bring coffee, and instead you're making coffee. So, <laughs> No uh, worries, no good. worries. Hey, thank you for changing your schedule. As you know, I got a busy schedule today, and you came a little earlier, so thank you for that. Yeah, it works out. I mean, it's always nice to do, get things done early, then you end up with the afternoon where you think you can get so many things accomplished, and then you end up with nothing done. So Definitely. And hope- for all those listeners out there, it's 5 a.m. right yeah. now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We'll roll with that. I yeah, like yeah. that. Could okay. you imagine? It's it's 5 a.m. No, I'm just kidding. Someone, it's, it's someone, someone out there is going to believe that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are on the grind. Yeah, well, I have four listeners, so one of them is susceptible to listening. There you go. Yeah, I know. So, 25% is okay. not bad. That's not bad, eh? Not at all. So who am I here with? 
Uh, my name is Glenn Reyes, and uh, for the last three years, uh, I worked on a career platform called Real Talk. I, I used to work for a national charity, um, and since then, I've uh, now I'm really focusing on my career and speaking work. Um, what I used to do professionally uh, full time was you know going to classrooms, talking to students about their careers and life choices. And uh, really talked about uh, a lot of real stuff that school never really taught us, right? And I, you know, I stick to that mission, and that's what I do um, full time, whether I'm with a charity or not. So um, I do a lot of leadership work uh, outside of the charity. I do a lot of uh, stuff around surrounding uh, leadership through hip hop. Uh, we can get into that in a second. So. Oh yeah, we're definitely getting yeah. into that. Yeah, there you go. So I have absolutely no rhythm, and in it, when it comes, <laughs> I'm one of those traditional people. When it comes to a uh, celebration or festivity, and there's music that people move to, I sit and probably drink. So. <laughs> hey, hey, we get all the students. Uh, what's interesting about when you do programs through leadership through dance, you'd be surprised that uh, everybody um, has some sort of aptitude for it um especially when you're just teaching the basics right um or when you have an engaging teacher that changes everything so we, we don't have anybody sitting out when we're doing our workshops so, oh, so i'm gonna bring you along then there you go well this is very <laughs> very you know we don't you, uh, you and i have spoke a few times now uh getting set up to to collaborate and get together on this mm -hmm. and every time we finish speaking you've left me like charged charged yeah which is dangerous too because they're usually like i'm walking into some some other meeting or some other uh you know uh pre-arranged uh, appointment or something and yeah. and those poor people like I, I might as well had six monster energy drinks as i walk in the room. <laughs> they're getting slammed well thank you your thank you your um your passion is uh very evident and mm -hmm. uh your energy is huge every time oh, thanks right out of the gate every time we talk and where the hell does that come from well um, I think it comes from a, a strong sense of purpose and meaning, really. Um, if you want to dig deep into my story. Oh, yeah, um, we're going there. Yeah. Um, back in 2009, I graduated with a Bachelor of Science, double major in kinesiology and psychology, and I graduated with honors, and I was ready to take on the world, um, and only to realize that, you know, in the midst of a recession, it was really hard to find work. Um, and I tried and I applied to over a hundred positions and couldn't even land a job interview. And you kind of felt like, wow, I went through all this school for almost nothing, right? I mean, no one's hiring. Nobody cares that you graduated with a bachelor of science anymore. Um, and, and I really struggled, you know, and it got me into some sort of, I'd say depression at one point, it was one of the lowest points of my life. Uh, and I realized there are a lot of students out there that need help with career choices. So this was back in 2009. Um, and, and, and I just kind of bounced around for a bit trying to figure out what to do next. And I put my foot down and I said, you know what, I'm just going to help kids um, with their career and life choices. You know, I just uh, set out to do that. I went out to ask guidance counselors. I found mentors and realized how bad they were at giving career advice. Okay. <laughs> and I said, wow, I got to be the, you know, a great career coach, but I also have to be a good educator. Um, and then it wasn't until I met um, the Association of Career Educators, I met two people that became that were life-changing. Um, it was Emil Boychuk, who is the chair of the Association of Career Educators, um, and he just really, you know, took me under his wing, um, invited me to the organization, and now I sit on the volunteer board of the oh, Association cool. of Career Educators. 
career educators and that was roughly uh, 2011 or 2012 uh, and then I just started uh, speaking. They gave me amazing advice. They said, you know, if you want to go help students, well, why don't you go help students? But at the point, um, I, you know, let's let's rewind that a bit. You know, uh, the reason I struggled with finding work was because my strategy was wrong, right? Um, as a bachelor of science, you know, a double major, kinesiology and psychology, yeah. you know, university grad, you think you're supposed to get a full-time job right away because um, I felt entitled to it. Right. I was like, man, I should have a full-time job so i actually ignored like contract work i ignored short-term work um and i realized wow it's all that experience i actually need to land the full-time job. yeah that's the stuff it's not the needed. same thing because you know you're taught you know do well in school you know you get good grades you'll be fine but that's like no longer the case um, it hasn't been the case for a very long time yeah but i think there's been enough of the conversation slipping through the cracks that mm -hmm. When youth come out of uh, post-secondary and they've done everything that traditionally they've been told to do and they fall into that trap where they're they're not finding that full-time employment i think there's a enough of a gap there you know call it three five years where they're struggling to get that start mm -hmm. but they don't reiterate that that type of information they don't translate it back to the next generation mm -hmm. so everyone mm -hmm. thinks it's working mm -hmm. but it's not working yeah i mean and there's a lot of reasons for that Right. One of the biggest reasons is that there was still a big, uh, you know, I've spoke to what about four thousand students um, in the last uh, in the last three years, and every time I ask, you know, who's going to university, I'm looking at maybe eighty to ninety percent of students still say that still they're going to university, yep. right? Yep. And and is it now? I don't know if that's because um, is it because they all actually want to go to university, or is it because their parents are telling them to go? Uh, I make the actual argument. It's just the way society thinks about school and the way um, they're brought up to believe. I mean, you know, you do well in math, science, and English, and you'll be successful, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and then Which is not a, true at all. It, <laughs> well, exactly, right? I mean, there is, um, you know, just uh, as a little asterisk there, uh, there is some statistics to prove that, you know, if you do have post-secondary education, that um, you probably could make more on average overall in the long run mm -hmm. um but that's only for a small percentage of people and i even i even always i like to argue that comment not argue i think yeah. i think maybe add my own asterisk to it is that being successful in post-secondary doesn't necessarily equate to what you what you do in life is going to actually revert back to what you did in post-secondary mm -hmm. i took recreation and leisure yeah, yeah. i do nothing about recreation <laughs> and leisure, yeah, yeah but my ability to um be an independent learner to problem solve through post-secondary and to graduate, you know, and, and, you know, I was fortunate I graduated with honors. So I put the work in those skills are what transfer out. And I think that's probably where those, a lot of those stats get to get to, they get to achieve a lot more, mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, a perception of, uh, put a perception of success out there on that mm -hmm. because it, it they're coming out, they're getting good careers and they're trying to correlate it back to what, cause it's post-secondary education. Yeah. Yes. But it's not because they specifically took something. It's like just they had that time period when they were mm -hmm. young adults, still, you know, at that level of maturity and, and entering into their independence. And they were given responsibilities and they were giving tasks and giving challenges. And either they rose to them or they didn't. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think maybe that correlates, you know, mm -hmm. and I know you agree with that because we, we've mentioned well, that definitely. to each other before. Well, one of the things you, you mentioned is, you know, the, the skills that you learned in school. 
right? Mm. We forget that you go to school because you actually have to learn some things, yeah. um, right? Um, and I highly recommend uh, reading the report uh, Humans Wanted by RBC, Future Skills. Um, they talk about what the most important or most employable skills are in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and in the next four years, with 2.4 million new job openings coming because of um, AI and, and, and technology, uh, take a guess. What do you think the number one skill uh, or most employable skill is oh, um, no. on this chart? What okay. do you think? I know people are going to think I guess. should know this because I interview a lot of people about this stuff. But <laughs> I'm going to throw a stab in the dark there. And I'm going to guess it's probably something to do around communication. Very good. Yeah. Exactly. Woo! Exactly. Where's my prize? So number one, no, yeah. number one is active listening, ah. right? Number two, speaking. Three, critical thinking. And four, reading comprehension. Funny thing is technology and math are at the bottom of that list, right? And science is at the very bottom, right? And why? It's not because um, they're less important, okay? Um, the reason being is there's actually just less jobs that will be available if AI kicks in. AI can do all the the math, oh, for right? Sure. It's important to know the theory, but active listening is in all the jobs, mm -hmm. right? Speaking is in all the jobs, right? Yeah. Uh, being that technical uh, coder is not in all the jobs, which is probably one of the reasons why they get paid so much when yeah. they do well. Yeah. Um, but if you can highlight uh, those skills, you know that active listening piece, the speaking and the critical thinking, um, and be able to package that um, and really highlight that for employers, they're, they're really gonna look for that um, in the future. Yeah, right? I had, I had a, a teacher tell me once that they, a few years ago, they, they recognized the shift was coming back to the fundament fundamentals of elementary education. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I kind of asked them to elaborate on that. And uh, they kind of went down that road. It's communicating and listening and following direction and empathy and learning to, you know, re react with the person in front of you. And mm -hmm. that teamwork participation thing it was huge because... Mm -hmm. The other stuff in the background that used to get away with that was completely in, introverted and, and whether it was just straight, you know, mathematics or science mm -hmm. was going to start to fall to the wayside. And mm -hmm. now it was going to be bigger problems, team based problems that are going to be based on a lot of human uh, elements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people kind of balked at that early conversations. But look where we are now. And it's, it's a short cry to where we're really headed because it's going to get even bigger of a change. Exactly, exactly. And I, and, I, and I mentioned that and I highlight that in every single keynote um, that I present in. Um, I talk a lot about how a lot of that education, being able to communicate and connect with somebody and being creative, I attribute a lot of those skills developed, um, all of those skills that I developed uh, through the hip hop culture, which is me break dancing on stage because uh, I have to communicate a message to a thousand people there. Um, and creating that show and that performance uh, is really where I learned all those skills. I didn't learn it uh, behind a desk writing a test. I didn't learn it a theorizing, uh, you know, a thesis, uh, writing an essay. Um, I was able to perform through um, just practice, really practice performing, right? So Okay, so when... We got to stop right there and, right, and focus sure. on this for a second. All right. <laughs> Hip hop dance presentation. Yeah. It was okay. When did this start? How did this start? Where did this come from? Okay. Um, so uh, it was just something that uh, I was always into. It was the culture that I always gravitated to when I was a kid. And the reason I got back into hip hop 
culture um, and dance uh, was because uh, in university, I kind of felt like I didn't know where it was going uh, through school. I was always told to focus on school, focus on school and do well. Um, and then when I got out of school, like I did well in school, I got the honors, but nobody cared. Um, and that was frustrating for me. But then I got pieces of advice that, you know, that whole, that, that advice, do what you love, you know, that whole do what you love piece. Right. Um, and I was like, well, what do I really love? You know, what do I really love to do? And I was like, well, you know, when I actually asked myself that honest question, it was you know, being on stage as a performer, you know, through hip hop. That's what I absolutely love to do. Um, but then uh, you can't actually, and this is, this is what I teach students all the time. You can't actually make money. Um, doing what you love. No. If you can't help anybody. That's true. That's true. So I realized that I needed to find a market that could actually um, be attracted to this message. And naturally, and only um, just because of what I knew at the time, uh, I just thought youth, you know, youth development. So I said, I'm going to focus on sharing this story with as many youth as possible. Uh, but in my travels, I realized, you know, the teachers and, and the professionals actually really want to hear about this hip hop oh, yeah. story. Right. And I realized, wow, there's some value here sharing uh, the lessons I learned through hip hop. And that's really what kicked off my career. Just continually sharing that story of how I learned creativity, collaboration and and being able to perform and uh, putting a show together and stuff like that and how to present. Um, and, and I used that and kept finding markets to help other people and. And uh, that's how I, you know, started making money doing. That's stuff, really cool. Right? Now, so, so what was your background in hip hop then? Like, I was uh, a break dancer. <laughs> we call it break in or b boying. Um, and um, for years, I would just uh, with my brother and uh, and another family friend who pretty much became my brother. Uh, we created all these these shows together. We used to perform at the C and E. We wow. used to perform at. Um, you know, just a lot of other places. Um, we were on multiple stages, um, talent shows, beauty pageants, nice. uh, schools, <laughs> anywhere we could actually perform. Um, we had a little hip hop crew called Fifth Element growing up um, where we kind of uh, represented all the, the elements of hip hop. So we had rappers, we had DJ, DJs, we had MCs, we had graffiti artists. Um, and we just kind of uh, were just a group of friends who really wanted to to just share our talent with others. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because now you see youth um, spend a lot of their time grinding through Instagram or uh, Snapchat or whatever. And they're they're constantly looking for opportunities to do something like that mm -hmm. or they're just they're digesting it massively. Right. Mm -hmm, and they're mm -hmm. taking it in and that's their form of entertainment and. I mean, I watch my kids they don't even touch the TV anymore. Yeah. It's everything nice. online. Nice. And it's good and bad. I mean, they're just as glued to that little screen as they are the big, they used to be the big screen. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's getting them to break out of the traditional barriers, mm. right? They're not being fed the machine, essentially, of uh, television. They actually get to explore what they want to look at. And you see, I don't know if I see a huge generation of kids trying to do things themselves as much, but they're definitely breaking the traditional barriers of what they're interested in, which mm -hmm. is a good thing. But how cool and how unique is that that you, as a group of friends, got that started and did something outside of the box? Because it was definitely non-traditional at that time. Yeah, well, at the time, I mean, there was no Instagram or there was, you know, there was no other platforms um, to do that. Uh, and the, the cool thing about the hip-hop culture is that we were just 
so creative in finding ways to actually show off our talent, right? I right. mean, uh, for all the, the young listeners out there, there was something called a pager back in the day. <laughs> I mean, you know, you remember those pagers? You just aged us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a pager. And what's funny was we used to rap, sing, beatbox on a pager intro just to show off our talent. Wow. Right? So pager intros was a big thing. Um, when it came to breakdancing, it was just anywhere, you know? in the gym, <laughs> um, at a club, you know, it was just always finding ways to, you know, show off our talent, um, and finding ways to make that happen. And I think, um, the cool thing about social media is that that makes that very easy. Mm. Um, and it's leveled up the game tremendously. It's, it's sped up everything. Right. But I think what's happening now is, uh, we're losing the connection to, to, to actually get out of your house and get together. Yeah. And and that's one of the big issues. You're getting there. sucked into watching everybody do it, but there's there's probably just as few people doing it. Yeah, because everyone's yeah. now just on the sidelines watching. There's a lot of factors, and then of course, um, you know, our population has boomed yeah. since then, right? I mean, there's just a lot of people. Like I would argue, there is more people who do it. Like absolutely, like there's actually more people involved now. Okay, um, but. Uh, in terms of percentage wise, I think the percentage might have gone down just because there's so many uh, other people out there. Now, when you right? talk to anyone, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when you're speaking to youth, though, and you're talking to them about some of the lessons learned from your mm-hmm. foray into to hip hop and your presentations and building together that, you know, mm-hmm. what's some of that messaging look like? What's some of the concepts you're sharing? Because, I mean, there has to be a huge amount of dedication and practice into everything mm-hmm. you guys did. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, the big lesson I share with students um, that I like to highlight through hip hop is that what you do outside of school is just as important as what you do inside school. Oh, right? Love it. Never give up the best part of your life just because school doesn't grade it. And that's part of my mission. Um, now, you know, speaking to the older demographic, what you do outside of work is just as important as what you do inside of work um, because we're in an age now where we, we have to continually find. Uh, new education platforms. Uh, we have to continually reskill and learn and, and, and just continually get better. Um, and the only way you're going to do that now, um, sorry, not the only way, um, one of the most efficient ways to do that is to actually go out there and be curious and learn about something that you're interested in. Yep. Right? And that's what I focus on, right? And I tell the students, hey, look, um, you know, I sent out 100 res- resumes showing off my bachelor of science and I couldn't get a job. But then I put breakdancing at the top of my resume. Then all of a sudden I'm getting hired. Like what's happening here? It's not like I go to you know employers and start busting a move in front of them and then say, hey, you know, hire me. I'm a dancer. No, no. I, I actually share you know that uh, I learned all these skills uh, through dance. Um, how did I do that? Again, you know, rewinding back to finding a market. Uh, my brother and I and another business partner we started something called the Universal Breaking League. Um, which was just one-on-one b-boy battles. Um, and then the events started growing and growing and growing. Uh, we have a national presence now. Um, Jeez. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't make any money doing it, okay? <laughs> so it's not a moneymaker. Good disclaimer. Uh, yeah, but um, I was able to present and package that and say, hey, look, we were, I was able to bring in uh, people from all across Canada. We were able to run events. I have organizational skills. I have a lot of initiative to be able to show that um, and learn a lot of new skills um, just running a breakdancing events. And I attribute you know, my career path to getting back into hip hop, which was 
lessons learned outside of the classroom. Absolutely. I mean, you look right? at the tangible organizational and foundation and budget, because although you, you didn't make money, stuff still costs money. Yeah. So yeah. you still had to figure out how to run that and do it so you didn't lose your shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And those are crazy skills that, you know, could take a career, you know, a lifetime and a career to develop. Yeah. And, yeah. And meanwhile, you're doing it with something that you actually have passion and enthusiasm mm -hmm. about. So from an employer standpoint, you know, you're checking so many boxes that they might not even even had on their list of checky boxes when they're sitting down going through resumes, but all exactly. of a sudden start looking at something saying, we take 30 years to develop that um, through opportunities in our employment. And mm -hmm. here, here's someone doing it on their own outside of mm -hmm. education and employment. It shows they, they have obviously a connection to those skills mm -hmm. and to do it with something you enjoy. It made me think of something you and I have mentioned before in one of our phone conversations. Mm -hmm. You asked me about this podcast, about where did I see it going or mm. what did I see? Uh -huh. Hey, you're smiling. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. I see it going or did I want to look at trying to make this a monetized thing? And there mm. was a bit of a fear to that. And I, I go back to the, the drawing board where I said to myself and I said to others before is that, you know, this is to be a service. Mm -hmm. and that's the only goal behind it is to be a service or mm -hmm. an audio resource, I'm calling it. There you go. Where, you know, employers, uh, educators, anyone, parents, kids, you name it. They got a resource to go check them some things out, listen to some different conversations that they might not have heard otherwise, mm -hmm. um, to broaden their horizons, to to hopefully dip their toes in the water with some of my guests, and then hopefully go deeper down into those guests and mm -hmm. to either connect to those guests, reach out to those guests, or or just to to you know find more about their journeys mm -hmm. and uh, get a different perspective on what's going on. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, good goal. It, it's one of those things where, like you said, because you got to be careful mm. if people start taking the things they love to do and all of a sudden think they're going to try to turn it into a career. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's exactly what I learned. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've learned now um, my brother just got uh, got back into basketball. OK. Um, he was running three on three basketball tournaments here in Toronto. Um, and uh, that was one thing that I put my foot down and said, I'm not going to get involved in that okay. because I absolutely love basketball and I don't want to make basketball work. There it is. And that's, right? what, that's what I was getting at. So was we, we had that conversation, but be yeah. careful that you're going to turn your passion into work. Mm -hmm. And then is your passion strong enough to survive the fact that it's now work? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just a, there's just a misconception there about, I mean, money doesn't care what you love, you know, money doesn't care. It doesn't have a feeling, right? Um, the only way to really make money is to provide service for other people. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're working for a job, it's because you're providing a service to that company, right? If you're working for yourself, you're providing service to your target demographic, right? So to make a lot of money, you don't actually have to love doing it. Right, you can just hustle, work on the stock market. Uh, you know, work on the you know, do stocks, make a lot of money, um, but you'll burn out very quickly. Yes. Right. So the passion piece is to to kind of just re-energize yourself uh, to get back in there. Um, but then again, it's it's everybody has different situations, right? For everybody sure. has there very are, different situations. Oh yeah, I think there's people that probably are the very lucky few who get to have a passion. They turn into a career yeah. and not have the career piece take away from the passion. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, but I do want people to understand that's probably like the extreme 1%. I yeah, think there's a yeah. very rare margin of people that end up there. I think the idea of having a balance is something that I always stress to folks is, you know, 
we had a conversation growing up when we were younger was about you know always make sure you have a hobby mm. have a hobby have a hobby mm. and people mm. didn't really get what that was all about and mm. sometimes the messaging was almost more to the parents than it was kids at the time and now at my age i try to make sure i have a hobby mm. because you know what work is work there's days it's fantastic you mm. feel connected you feel like you've changed the world there's days that you feel like you're ramming your head against the wall and nothing's happening yeah but when you have a hobby that you can invest into for yourself along the way that yeah. you don't really rely on anybody else for that hobby other than yourself mm. it, it that becomes rewarding it becomes a venting experience it becomes lots of opportunities because something we see happening today more often is that we see the workplace bleeding into the home mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we see the stresses from work carry into home mm -hmm. and with two working families more traditional now than ever before like two, yeah. two yeah. parents yeah. working all of a sudden that's bleeding into the evenings and mm. you start looking at that time in the evening that you might have as a family it, it's corrupted Mm, mm, it's corrupted mm -hmm. by the work-life balance that people yeah, talk yeah, yeah. about and i don't like the word work-life balance mm -hmm, but i just mm -hmm. i think if we're going to spend a good chunk of our life working that we make sure we spend another chunk of our life living mm -hmm, definitely um and, and another thing i mean that's self-serving to careers uh when you talk about focusing on a hobby is um it just adds to your brand your personal brand and your mm. story which is a thing now um, right let's be fair exactly. everyone you, your prime example of yourself is that you talked about putting breakdancing in on your resume yeah and the changes because that today would be called branding yourself mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. i'm sure you know if you had done that today there'd be a social media account tied to it there'd be yep. a bit of a following yep. the bit of a youtube piece to it it would just roll like that and that's good but that's almost traditionally looked at now as common mm -hmm. because when I see applicants coming in, I, I see their Instagram account. I see their Facebook. I see that stuff coming in on their resumes. Yeah. And that's good because one, I mean, let's be fair. They're probably not going to make the mistake many generations made already of not being smart about what they put on social media. Mm -hmm, you see mm -hmm. a lot of sport athletes right now oh, getting no. just destroyed with that right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, right? on Twitter, yeah, but, yeah. But you got those bleacher reports. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So you see that rolling right mentioned. now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think the next generation is much smarter than that because they've grown up with it, recognizing that it is part of life. You would and, think and, so, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I work with a lot of high school kids, uh, and it's funny because I, I see uh, what they put on Instagram. and So maybe I, not then. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what they put on their Instagram stories are ridiculous. Um, I think they think it's private. Um, and they're like, yeah, because, you know, you have to be following me to to, to see that. But I'm like, no, anybody can take a screenshot. Anybody can, yeah. you know, it's still there. Anybody can pull it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, my rule of it, my, my rule of thumb is, that, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not willing to let your grandma see what you put on Instagram, don't put it on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I, I think of my target audience as the family members around. Yeah. Which sometimes makes you hold it back a little bit. Yeah. That might be like even in terms of the, the podcast, I think about I think about speaking to my kids. I think about speaking to yeah. you know the family around that that that's what this content is for. Whereas if I probably was thinking about a more of a general audience, yeah. I, I would probably be pushing a lot faster with the podcast. <laughs> but it's... Uh, hey, I, well, that's why I'm happy to have crazy accepting parents that uh, when I say crazy things, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you know, my parents uh, think that's socially acceptable, so I can say that. <laughs> oh, exactly. Hey, my parents, uh, I was telling them for many, many years I could be a professional wrestler and they never once said no. <laughs> so like, I know awesome. that comes from... Oftentimes I look back and wish they did. Awesome. Uh, but no, I mean, we all have these 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 spins that go forward and uh you know we have to learn 
by, unfortunately, I really believe you have to learn by doing things the hard way. For sure. And even taking things from messaging that you're sharing that you came through a completely unconventional pathway. Uh And when I say unconventional, I mean, you did the traditional go to university, do the best you can, and the world's going to work out for you. And in some manners, I'm sure the world did work out for you, but it Mm -hmm. certainly wasn't because it wasn't the sole contributing factor wasn't your post-secondary education. Not at all. No. Not, not no. at all. I know there's I mean, value. <laughs> I don't always mean to undervalue it. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with some post-secondary institutions recently um, <laughs> where they've commented along the lines of, uh, we love what you do, but you're not really helping um, spread our message. And yeah, I, yeah. I kind of went, well, what's your message? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. Um, I think it's uh, hypocritical of me to say that uh, university didn't help. Because yeah. had I not gone through the struggles that I've gone through, that I wouldn't be thinking this way. Right. So you can actually make the argument that had I not gone th- through university, then I wouldn't have the the higher level thinking to be able to do this mm-hmm. or have that, or let's say not quote unquote, I hate that word, higher level thinking, um, different experience. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have had that experience had I not gone. Um, so I tell a lot of students that, you know, uh, university is for for academics. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like writing and research, it's the perfect place to be. For sure, right? You love research. Um, that's where you go. Um, my problem with uh, the university structure is that we overvalue math, science, and English there it is. as if they're the yeah. only skills yeah. that are related to uh, career success um, because of the narrative. You know, the narrative that uh, if you do well in school, uh, you'll be fine. Um, I'm trying to break that down, right? I'm trying to say, hey, you know, you can be fine in math, science, and English, but uh, those are only a certain amount of jobs that are out there. You still need these other skills. And again, in my story, had it not been for hip hop, you know, I wouldn't have developed the actual skills that I'll need, the active listening, the exactly. speaking, the creative thinking um, that, and, and I, that and goes those, in. And those are universal. Yeah. Everyone yeah, needs yeah. those across everything. I don't care what you do. Where, where I'm kind of like my old, my old uh, thought process with this is that I always look back to a, a model I saw years and years ago and I cannot find this picture, but it was originally in a guidance counselor's office in high school. Mm-hmm. And it had like this bar graph where it had like a university and the bar graph was really high and like <laughs> average earnings. And then it had colleges kind of in the yeah. middle and then it had like skilled or apprentice. And it was like basically baseline dead. And it, it showed like your success measures were going to be greater if you did these opportunities. And what I wish they would get away from that is what they were trying to correlate to us with the subliminal marketing is that I can't make a hundred thousand dollars or what the dream number was back then. Mm-hmm unless I go to university, Mm. what I wish they would show people is that you can make your earnings are not limited by your education. Your, your earnings are going to be limited by what you put into it. Mm -hmm. That is really going to be the truth of the matter. Yes, there are ceilings in every industry, but in today's marketplace, let's be fair. Um, the opportunity are opportunities are pretty endless, you know, Mm. to have a, to have a home-based business on top of your career now with the way the world is intertwined through Mm -hmm. the internet, you can do all kinds of things yeah, yeah, and not limit yourself and have the ability to have fun, but also at the same time, have your ability to have your career mm-hmm. and to base them out. And there really is no ceiling and there is no pay category because I know lots of people that have gone to university who are making 45,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I know lots of people that have gone to college that are making 70,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I know lots of trades folk making a hundred, 150,000 mm-hmm. or more. So, I mean, I could flip that graph right on its head. It's got, it really doesn't correlate. Mm-hmm. And so the messaging I always try to put out there is, 
you know, what are you, what do you enjoy doing? Like, if you really enjoy being academic and being educated and you enjoy school, well, there's a pretty natural calling that, you know what, a post-secondary institution, like a university is going to mm. be the place to go. You're, you're going to be closer to finding what you like and what you want to do in a type of career path that relates to you mm -hmm. by going there. But if traditionally sitting in a classroom and pounding through your math, English, and sciences is absolutely killing you, mm -hmm. then most likely post-secondary university isn't going to be the option. It could be college. It could Definitely, be apprenticeship. Yeah. There could be something that fits a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I know teachers identify that, but where it, it really kills the whole conversation here is that as soon as we identify a student and say that maybe college or an apprenticeship style learning model uh, would be best suited for them, people instantly think, less than mm -hmm. instantly think yep. they're not going to make as much money. They're not going to yep. be successful. We have this massive stigma pounding on that. Whereas meanwhile, the truth is that they're probably going to earn as much, if not more, mm. if you base it over a 35 year working or 30 year working career. Uh, sorry, I know that number sounds long folks, but it's pretty <laughs> average. Um, they're, they may also end up making more money in the long run than even the university graduate mm -hmm. potentially, depending what they mm -hmm. end up doing. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that, right? I mean, if we just forget about the money piece, mm -hmm. a lot of people think that, you know, um, that they associate um, some skilled trades with grunt work. Yeah. Right? So it's like, well, do you want to get your hands dirty? And, you know, but uh, when uh, when you're doing meaningful work like that, there's the word. I love it. I love that you when put that When you're doing there. meaningful work like that, like you can actually see um, the progress you're making. And it's actually a lot more fulfilling than um, putting some numbers into a spreadsheet. You know, the best part of my job um, was when I was in those classrooms and the, the kids actually said thank you after. Yeah. Because I could actually see meaning in the work that I did. Right. Um, and, and, and that re-energizes you not just seeing these numbers on a screen. Um, I mean, maybe there are some people who, who love that. <laughs> but. Well, I get really concerned that when we uh, attribute that our working careers, uh, what's rewarding about our working career is our paycheck. Mm. If th that, is, that, is, that is a recipe for failure. If mm. all you're focused on is that paycheck, that's what your reward is for doing that job. Yep. That, where's the connection? Where truly is your connection to what you're doing? That yeah. fulfillment or meaningful work, and you can get into tons of definitions on that. Mm -hmm. But I think your summary of just saying when the student says thank you to you, yeah. you know, or when we talk about tradespeople, for example, that they can actually see some form of progress or completion to what they did. And, and, and trust me, I know how, how deep that relationship to that work is because mm -hmm. if they have to go back the next day or a few days later and that work has been destroyed, tampered, or they have to remove it, it's an emotionally crushing thing. Yeah, They're yeah, actually really yeah. upset they yeah, have to deal yeah, with that. Yeah. Whereas if I'm in an office environment and I punch through a spreadsheet that week, yeah. And I all of a sudden have to re-enter re some numbers. It's frustrating, but I'm not emotionally tied to it the same way. I'm not actually yeah. sad that I have to do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an old study. Um, it's online, and I and I and I'm, it's it's escaping me right now. Uh, who was it? Jeez, thinking fast and slow. Maybe Daniel Kahneman. It's like a TED talk. Okay. Um, and this is an old study, so the numbers could be off. Um, but. The theory was there is no difference um, in happiness between somebody who makes $65,000 and $2 million. I've heard this, yes. Yeah, you've heard about this. Uh, those numbers are probably very different in Toronto. It's yeah. probably 100000 now in Toronto. Yeah. But the basic premise of it is once you have all your basic needs uh, met, then there isn't another level of happiness beyond you know that. Right? There's a huge difference between poverty 
and making enough to live. Yes. Okay. So there is a correlation between happiness and money there. Um, but when it comes to being well off uh, or even being middle class and then being super rich, um, happiness is now not defined by how much money you make. Um, and it's always been about, you know, what you think, say, and do. Um, Sonia Libomirsky's work um, in, in, in her book, The How of Happiness, attributes about 10% of happiness to life circumstances. And it's a really cool uh, study how they studied lottery winners and they studied the opposite end of the spectrum what they assume to be quadriplegics, right? You know, you assume you're a quadriplegic and uh, once you become that, you're going to be really sad. Um, and then, of course, if you're a lottery winner, super happy. Um, but both groups actually... Um, after a three months or so, went back to their normal level of happiness. Wow. Right? So, and that's how they figured out, well, it looks like life circumstances isn't the biggest factor uh, in your happiness. Roughly 50% is genetic. So some people are naturally born happier than others. Um, but there's a huge chunk, about roughly 40% of, pe- um, 40% uh, of your happiness can be attributed to the things that you think, say, and do. Right. So um, once you're thinking about and doing the things that you love to do and you have that mindset of happiness, um, then then you'll be able to increase it. Um, Happiness is uh, is is I always say now is is something you do, not something you be. It's not just a feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I but, guess uh, yeah, I just made that up. Happiness is something you be. <laughs> or no, sorry, something you do. No, you do good. happy, not be happy, right? That's fantastic. Yeah, you yeah. just named the episode, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I look at with that, and I agree, I, I can't. I just got to take that all in for a second because I really, it really hits home on a lot of things. You know. Yeah. Some of the messaging I'm I'm trying to spend spread right now in particular with even my kids mm. is that, you know, it's cool to be kind. And I know it's a horrible cliche, but it truly is like the biggest attribute I'm trying to teach my children right now is to have empathy and compassion to be kind. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some people say it's, you know, you're being such a, a hippie or whatever. Really? But on the flip side of, I, I look at it and I, I try to get them to open their eyes to perspective is really what my underlying Good. goal here. Good. And I try to do it with a lot of people. It's, we don't always know everyone else's situation across the table mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. across the room, whatever the case may be. And you can't project what you have your expectations of where they should be based on what you know and what you've done, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you have no idea what they've done or where they come from. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to get them to have is that ability to listen mm-hmm. to, to really learn and just to hear from the other person mm-hmm. and to take what's being projected and what's being said and take it, take it at face value. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will it's kick good lessons. Kick, well, people will kick back and say that well, you're good dad. People project <laughs> what they want. I mean, social media is a great, great interpretation yeah. of that, right? Yeah. They project what they want, but not necessarily what they truly are or what they're truly going through. Mm-hmm. But I think in today we see more and more of less filtered approaches to things, mm-hmm. which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can start being humble and authentic, I mm-hmm. think it gives opportunities for our relationships to have more meaning mm-hmm. and for our, our our growth is people, right? Mm-hmm. So when we start looking at the idea of career, let me, in this long-winded explanation, we come mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. start looking at the idea of careers and opportunities. If we're going in with being honest and humble and authentic, mm-hmm. you know, one, the accuracy of finding something that probably correlates to meaningfulness to us is going to be way higher. Mm-hmm. And the people on the other side of the fence who are trying to help us, whether that be guidance counselors or educators or, you know, whoever, 
they're gonna have a better read on maybe the re- the reality of the realness of who you are, mm-hmm. and realize that maybe some things aren't a fit, mm-hmm. and, and maybe they don't know where that goes from there. But at least they can answer one solid question that okay, you know, this route, whether it be apprenticeship or whether it be university, doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. really, you're not resonating anything that makes any sense with that, mm-hmm. and and you know it. And so now we can own that and not waste our not I'm gonna say waste our time, but yeah. but put that early effort into experiencing something that we already kind of have an idea what the outcome is going to look like mm. because you're not having any affinity. Yeah. I mean, um, to clear that up, I mean, when I work with clients and I'm working with students, um, I just break it down to the very, um, basic message of what are the challenges that you want to solve? You know, what problems do you want to solve? What are some of the things that you want to do, um, with the skills that you have? Right. Um, in that same report that I mentioned earlier, uh, they're trying to get you to 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 do away with thinking about career paths, um, being that doctor, lawyer, engineer, because being a doctor, lawyer, engineer is going to look very different in five years, right? They want you to focus on the core skills and the competencies that you develop uh, along the way, right? So they have a really clear uh, example of. Um, how you can transition from one career to another is by developing like similar skills. And they highlight that by um, one of the examples. They say, uh, how do you go from a dental assistant to a graphic designer? Because they have roughly the same skills. And I don't know what skills. (laughs) Exactly. And they they mentioned in in, in that report that they're saying, okay, from a dental assistant to a graphic designer, they have, let's say, uh, nine out of the 10 skills. So all you need to do is upgrade one of them and then boom, you've made a career career transition. So uh, they're trying to emphasize in the future, we need to be flexible and mobile, just adaptable to those situations, but know what those core skills are. Um, and, and and that's going to be a very tricky conversation because uh, for, for, for years, for the last couple centuries, I'd say, um, you think those skills are math, science, and English. Exactly. Um, those yep. are just subjects to develop the skills that you need. Exactly. And it was so, go go study go study something, mm-hmm. become proficient in that, and that's where your career lies. And your world will dominate within that. And I remember even having conversations about a lawyer, great example. Mm. So they, they'd show you a lawyer and they would show you almost like a Venn diagram yeah. of how these other career paths that could sit in the world of law that if you weren't capable of being a lawyer, you can still go to post secondary learn things around it and sit in that world to assist the lawyer. The mm-hmm. lawyer was the prestigious piece. And I love mm-hmm. all that because now you got something like LegalZoom that wipes out, you know, 60% of that Venn diagram is not even a job anymore yeah. because you can get almost all that stuff done for $199 in a website yeah. and then get majority of the work that was the secondary around a lawyer is long gone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The lawyer's value himself has completely dropped because yeah, of that. Yeah. And now they have to actually market and fight in a place against a computer program that can sort through archives. Good luck. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're seeing this change dramatically, right? Like a lawyer is still going to be a lawyer, but the industry around a lawyer has dramatically changed. Yeah. And it's and back to the very initial conversations you said to when we started this mm-hmm. is about the transferable skills. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are calling them the essential skills. We feel essential skills are even changing mm-hmm. even, but communication staying right on there. Yep. Very, very proficient, yep. very prolific. Um, and also something that I think our youth are, I, well, I'll just speak to my own kids and apologies, kids. Um, <laughs> you're failing at because uh, <laughs> you're, you're, oh, you're, you're good. But it's I'm, okay. I'm, don't worry. They they probably don't listen to oh, your no, podcast. My, my oldest so. does. My oldest. 
<laughs> so there you go. He's like, oh, so, man, you're calling me out on the podcast. Yeah, straight, straight at you there, honey. Yeah, but it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where they're still developing. And yeah, yeah. I think by bringing attention to the need to listen and uh, that three-way style conversation with kids, it's, it's how you start building those skills. Find the things they're interested in, yeah. you know, and, and let them dig deep into it. And let them hit the walls, let them fail with it, let them learn how exactly. to overcome hurdles and, you know, and then realize maybe they have absolutely no interest in it six months later. And that's yeah, okay. Yeah. That's it's, okay. It's okay. You know, again, going back to that whole, um, you know, what I learned through the hip hop culture and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's actually where I learned failure was okay. Um, because you made a lot of mistakes when you were on stage, right? You made a lot of mistakes when you were rapping in front of people or break dancing. Um, but what's cool about it is that you're not penalized for it. Mm -hmm. There's no 5% off. Yeah. There's no 5%. You're you're, you're not failing. Um, you fail forward, I guess. Um, sorry, you are failing, but you're failing forward. You're learning from that. You know, when, when the crowd doesn't react to the move that you created, it's probably not a good move and it's probably just weird. Um, so what's cool is that you just kind of learn how to tweak your message, um, based on that. And I think it's such a really cool skill to, to, to develop. And I think you can learn that, uh, through a lot of different cultures. Uh, that was just the one that I was attracted to. Right. So, um, go out there and, and, and build those skills. I mean, if I were to sum it up, uh, I like to say that, <clears throat> you know, if I were to sum up this 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 whole thing, it's 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 just find uh, the challenges that you really want to focus on. Um, but think about the things that you always want to learn and, and grow with and, and do that. Right. Um, because when you're learning new skills and when you're you're building, you're, you're creating new opportunities for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, for example, before I started working on this career app, um, I had no digital skills. Um, but you know, with the professional development budget, it was a little easier. I went into uh, <laughs> I went into digital marketing, and yeah. I learned how to. You know, I was like, wow, I grew an audience from zero to like six thousand followers, and it's like, how did I do that? Right? I mean, it's not a huge number. It's just it was kind of just cool to see that you can just learn a little bit for like. 10 weeks and then you can apply that to the real world so um yeah i just just keep building new skills and i'm always looking for those new opportunities to like figure out what skill i want to build next right it never stops yeah yeah huge messaging right like it it never stops you're not going to spend you know by the time you're 25 one you're definitely not going to have sorted out um two Mm -hmm. you're probably not doing the thing you thought you were going to be doing Mm -hmm. but you're also probably not doing the final thing that you're going to be doing you're probably somewhere in between and that's okay That messaging needs to be there big time too, because I see a lot of kids, I call them kids because I guess I'm old enough to be able to call them kids, but when they're in their mid twenties and they're, they're putting that pressure on themselves because they don't have, they don't think they're where they're supposed to be. Well, you know, rest assured people in their forties aren't where they think they're supposed to be too. So Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, maybe where you're supposed to be, is just right where you are Mm -hmm. and, and enjoy that moment, live in that moment. And don't lose sight of that development piece that mm-hmm. you can be tapping into new skills all the time and growing and changing with everything around you. So you're finding new pieces every day to feel meaningful in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you'd be surprised at how many people you connect with when you, you know, you share your passion with others, right? When you're sharing the things that you love to do, um, people connect to you more, right? Um, <clears throat> I, I call it being in your element. 
it's uh it's a it's an interesting book by sir ken robinson um the book called the element he yeah. he had uh, did you read that book no yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, i have a very short reading list yeah but, <laughs> no it's, all, but it's actually his, on there his ted talk do schools kill creativity was one of the most watched ted talks out there and it was actually one of the things that influenced me and inspired me to to do some speaking and talking about education and things like that um but you, sorry, yeah. you, you've tossed out so many resources that we are gonna. For those that haven't yeah. uh, wrote the, written these down, wrote. See, my, my English skills are fantastic. We'll, we'll, we'll put. Yeah. I'm gonna put links, we'll links. Yeah, definitely yeah. in this episode because there's a lot of great content. I know some stuff I've seen uh, and some stuff I'm gonna go see now or, or read for sure because nice. there's a couple of things in there. I've heard that RBC report put up a couple times now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, again, like I said, um, when you're doing what you love, people connect to you in a very different way. Um, and I like to prove it with the students uh, at the end of my keynotes. I usually say, hey, I grew up connecting to people through hip hop. So I usually just end up, uh, you know, dancing for them or, 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 or throwing something down um, because whether you like hip hop or not, when I'm doing what I love, uh, you tend to uh, connect to me more. Um, and I like to prove it. Right. So um <laughs> I used to live a life not knowing what I want to be, but now I'm busy paying dues and cashing in what's owed to me. Working nine to five, yeah, never what was meant for me. Don't need Beyonce or Kelly just to be the child of destiny. Used to send out resumes, play waiting games. You know what's dumb, more opportunities now, and I barely even send out one. Some people call it lucky, but let the truth be told. I work my butt off for this. I'm in complete control. Rapping because I'm showing y'all I made something happen, and I used to be so lost in life, I'm never going back again. Yeah, well, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's there awesome. You got to do some content. I just wanted to show for the audience. I love it. No, I think that, you're gonna end it off with that. <laughs> absolutely, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. So go. where where can where can everybody find you? Where are you right now? www.glenreyes.com. He's got his own Glenreyes.com at h4glen uh, is my Instagram at h4glen. H4 was how hip hop helps. We can talk about all that stuff in, in another podcast. Oh, man, we are getting back together again. We yeah. were already determined before we started. We're yeah, back yeah, yeah. Glenreyes.com. Um, I will start putting out some resources into helping students figure out uh, what to do next. Um, I want to share all that experience that I got um, from my mentors with as many students as possible. Yes. Um, which is why I put out that website. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just going to continue doing that work. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but uh, uh, I'm, re I'm I'm transitioning to to an, a, another role, and a lot of people are saying, "Well, what are you going to do next?" And it's funny. It's like, "What do you mean? What am I going to do next? I'm going to do the same thing, just different means, right?" Love so, um, I used to work for for a charity, um, but now I'm I'm going to focus on my leadership work, my speaking, and my coaching and things like that. Um, so it's the same challenge: help people figure out what they want to do help them with their next steps and find the audiences that I can actually help with the skills that I have. No, and that's I, how I break it down. I love so. There's so much value, man. I can't wait to see you out there doing so much more just for Glenn. Yeah. And, and yeah, not only just yeah. for Glenn, I think it's for the audiences are going to really truly appreciate getting someone as authentic and passionate, mm -hmm. which is such an awesome story. And, and, and yeah. the passion piece. So many people are trying to stay in front of audiences right now and inspire but they haven't lived it themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that authenticity <laughs> is going to be super huge, man. Well, that's <laughs> one of the big motivations for me too, was, um, I wanted to, uh, you know, I don't have kids right now, but I thought about if I were to help my kids with education and the messages that I wanted to send to them, um, I would say, Hey, do what you love. 
But then I thought about how would I feel if my kids said, well, daddy, you're not doing what you love. I would feel miserable, yep. right? Um, and now, um, because of the life I've lived and the experiences that I have, um, that, that that's not a thing anymore, right? Love it. I'm living authentically. Um, this is what I feel like when I'm uh, when I'm you know as you've seen when I do the, the things that I love to do. Yeah. Um, it just resonates on a different level, and that's kind of what I'm trying to push that message out there a little bit more. Right. Oh so, my God, folks! Go. Look at we're gonna end on a high with that. You have to check out Glenn. Check out Glenn Glenn's uh, website, his Instagram. Give him a follow. You guys are not gonna be disappointed. And uh, you know what? An accidental apprentice podcast. I've been very fortunate to come across a lot of different people, but I have stumbled onto a gem here. So, folks, you have to tap into <laughs> this resource, man. Anyways, with that, I'm gonna wrap it up and call it a day because we both got things to go do. Yeah. So, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, check out Accidental Apprentice on www.accidentalapprentice.com. We're over on Instagram at Accidental Apprentice and Twitter is Accidental Apprentice APPR1. Can you mm. believe it? There's someone else that actually has it first. There Anyways, <laughs> with that, everybody, we will uh, wrap that up and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you guys. Peace.